I just want to read some scripture. And one of the things we do here at King's Church, if you don't know who I am, my name is Brent. I'm the senior pastor at King's Church. And it's a privilege for me to be able to talk to you tonight, Rally in the Valley. But one of the things we do, uh, as is our custom, is we stand when we read the Word of God. And why we stand is because we respect and we revere what God has to say. Amen? Like if, if someone really important came to talk, you wouldn't, you wouldn't sit down and sit like this. You'd sit up and sit at attention. And so we believe the most important person ever exi in existence has spoken. And so that's why we stand and we give our undivided attention. If you have a Bible, which I hope you do, if you don't, you can find it on your phone. You can find it on the screen behind me. Uh, but I want to jump right into Philippians chapter 3. As you turn there real quick, Rally in the Valley, would you help me and give some honor and appreciation to all the folks at King's Church who have volunteered and served you. Thank you, guys. Thanks to the band. Thanks to the crew. How about the food? Yeah. We honor you guys. But are you ready to hear from the Lord? I'm gonna give your undivided attention. I believe God's gonna say something to you that I think he's gonna give you a word for your life tonight that will go with you the rest of your days if you listen. So just be ready to receive and God will do something in your heart. Philippians chapter three, verse 12, a guy named Paul was writing to some real Christians like you and me, people who were on their journey and he was talking about his own journey and he says this, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved all these things or that I've already reached perfection. I haven't, but here's what I do. He says, I press on. Everybody say, I press on. I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, and looking forward. Everyone say, I look forward. I look forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive that heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling. I want to talk to you today from a title and a topic, Don't Settle. Don't settle. Would you pray with me once more? God, we thank you today for the way that you are so clearly here. We weren't just singing platitudes. We weren't just singing, a miracle can happen now. The spirit of the Lord is here. We believe you are here. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is, anything is possible. And so, God, we just give you our undivided attention for these next moments. We don't want to hear from a pastor. We don't want to hear from a preacher. We want to hear from the King of kings and Lord of lords. So, Father, would you speak through me? Would we all receive the word you want to plant in our hearts? And all God's people said, amen. amen. As you find a seat, I want you to turn to five people, and I want you to tap them like you mean it and say, hey, don't settle. Don't settle. Then you can grab a seat. Go find your seat. All right, find your seat. Man, you guys, hey, as you find your seat, everyone just dive in, let's dive in. I just wanna say, I've been sitting back and watching and observing you guys, and you guys have to be one of the best group of teens we've ever had here. And I wanna just say that. You've been so respectful of the space. You've been respectful of your leaders. You've been respectful of the preachers. Um, I really thank you for that. And so let's finish strong. Here we go, one more. Here's a question I have for you. Have you ever started to do something? You started out on some kind of mission, some kind of journey. You, you set out some kind of goal, and at first you were really excited about it, and you had all kinds of great intentions, and you get going to do it, and then you, somewhere along the way you get tired or you get distracted, and you find you didn't accomplish what you set out to accomplish in the first place. Anybody? Oh, we got some liars in church right now. Okay, all right. Yeah, we've all done that. Maybe you, you set out to run a 5K, and it turned into a 1.5K, right? Like you ever done that? Or you, you were going somewhere, and you ran out of gas. Anybody ever ran out of gas? Like we all know that feeling of like running out of gas, running out of energy. I'll tell you a story. I was 10 years old and it was at, we were at Beulah Camp. Anybody know where Beulah Camp is? All right, all right. So this illustration's gonna land. 
Yeah, so I'm at Beulah Camp, I'm 10 years old, and it's a summer day, and this has been the first summer where my cousin Sean and I had had the freedom as individuals with our bicycles, and we got to go wherever we wanted. And so uh, one morning I got up and I called my cousin Sean, I grabbed the phone, and this is back in the day where your phone has a cord, and I took it off the wall and wrapped myself up in it. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, all right, you don't, you don't know what I'm talking about, you cell phone kids. Anyway, I punch in his number and I call him and it rings and he picks up and I'm like, hey, Sean, because I was 10, right? My voice hadn't dropped yet. And so I'm like, hey, Sean, do you want to go biking? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like, we should bike to Caton's Island. So, okay. Now, I wasn't dumb as a 10-year-old. I knew you couldn't bike across the river. I meant bike to the landing. And so I'm like, let's bike to Caton's Island. And Sean's like, yeah. And so we like, I'll meet you at the road. And he's like, yeah. And we were so pumped. And so I hang up the phone. I hop on my bike. It was a one-speed. Anybody got a one-speed? You know, like, this is before BMX bikes were cool. It was like a bike you didn't really want to have, but I had it. So I hop on my bike, and I pedal to the road, and I get to the road, and there's my, my cousin Sean, who was eight at the time. And we're like, you ready for this, bro? Yeah, we're ready. Pounded out, and we hopped on. And we start biking, and we head down the hill. Anybody know, know, know about Beulah? We head down the hill. We turn left, and there's the wharf off to the right. And we start pedaling down the, down the side, right, where the water is. And we're pedaling. We're just giving it, right? And we're, all, we're going all the way. We go down, and we, we get to that first turn, and we start heading up that long hill. I don't know if anybody's been, to, been there, but there's this long hill. And so when you have a one-speed bike, you really got to focus because hills are the enemy. You don't have first gear. You got one gear, and it's hard gear. And so I'm just, I'm just going for it, right? Like I hop up, and I'm standing, and I'm, I'm pedaling for all I'm worth, and I'm conquering this hill. And I turn around as I get to the top of the hill, and I look back, and I see my cousin Sean like this. And his bike is like down beside him. So I'm like, oh my goodness, my cousin Sean's dead. So I flip around and I'm just going down the hill as fast as I can. Skid, you know, you skid to a stop because you're cool like that. And so I skid to a stop and I'm like, Sean, are you okay? And he's like, go on without me, man. I'm not going to make it. And I kid you not, you think I'm exaggerating for hyperbole's sake, just for the story? He had full-on quit life. Like, he's, he, like, said, I'm done here. I can go no further. I can't go back. I can't go forward. I'm out of gas. I've got no, nothing left. I'm just done. And so I'm there as a 10-year-old pleading with my cousin, cousin, I don't want you to die here. You got so much to live for, man. There's so much in front of you come with me. And I'm trying to get him up and get him motivated. I think I finally baited him in and said, hey, let's go play Donkey Kong. Let's go do that. He's like, all right. And he hops on the bike and we're gone. But if you ever felt like that in your life, like my cousin Sean, like you set out with the best of intentions and you're pedaling along and you're giving it your best shot and you're trying to be the Christian you're supposed to be. You're trying to follow Jesus the way that you know he wants you to follow him. And you get out there and you spend some time doing your best and you're pedaling along in life and some hills come and some bumps come and some twists and turns come. And if you're like me, you've had times in your life, especially trying to follow Jesus, where you've found yourself settled, stopped short between where you were intending to go and where you were. Like you set out to achieve something with Jesus you set out to go a place for him and with him, and you end up halfway in between. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, this isn't your first rally you've been to. I've been to rallies my whole life. I was one of you. I grew up going to May Rally, and I've been around rallies my whole life. And I'll tell you something. I, if I had a dollar for every time that I came to a rally, I got all you know, just jacked up and pumped up for Jesus. And then I left and I hopped on my proverbial bike and started pedaling the, the, the journey of faith. And then I get tired about a month in, two months in, three months in. And I find myself in my faith. I did this many times where I just kind of said, I don't know, I think I can't do this anymore. I can't, go, I can't go where he wants me to go. I can't be the person he wants me to be. I can't, I can't do that. You ever found yourself doing that? You know, you set out to be a witness at school. 
And like day after day, like, okay, I'm gonna lead someone to Jesus. I mean, Pastor Mike Miller, that was so awesome. And he, he preached about, you know, sitting with that kid and that no one wants to sit with. And so you set out, like, I'm gonna sit with that kid and I'm gonna be the best Christian. I'm gonna lead people to Jesus. And you go day after day after day, you try to sit with that kid. He said, I wanna sit with you, right? You try to share your faith and they don't wanna have it. And you find this is, this is hard. This is harder than I thought it would be. Like, what's, what's going on here? You ever, you ever done that? You set out to be pure? You know, you know you're not supposed to look at those websites. You know you're not supposed to do that with your girlfriend. And so you leave a place like this and you say, okay, I'm going to be better. There's the goal. There it is. I'm going to get there this time. And so you hop on your bike and you start pedaling. But it's one gear. And you get to the hill. And by the time you reach halfway up the hill, you're like, oh, oh. I'm gonna have to wait for another rally. You ever had that? You know what I'm talking about? Like you, you, you try to run the race, you try to you know, walk the walk of faith and you find like I get out there and it's like easier said than done. Like I have the best of intentions when I leave Rally in the Valley. I have the best of intentions when I leave church and then I get out there and life happens and friends and peer pressure and bad things happen, and my family's going through this, and this happened with my friend over here, and I've got this I'm going on with, and there's all kinds of things, and you get out there, and you find yourself settled somewhere in between where you'd hope to be and where you were. I want to talk to you today about settling. I want to talk to you about what is it that actually helps us make the journey that we are all on. Because last night, how amazing was that with Pastor Mike? That was awesome. Last night, like you all heard... You all heard the call. So many of you came forward and accepted that. Like, Jesus, I need you. Sign me up. I'm in. You know, mundane miracles. I'll, I'll be your guy. I'll be the guy to do the small things for you. But it, here's the question. And he even said it last night. He goes, he said, salvation happens in a moment, but purity and transformation, there's a process. And so what, what, here's a question I want to ask. What do we do? Like, how, how do you actually run that race? How do you walk that walk? Like, how do we not go home today and get into the same old cycle? If, if this is your third rally, you probably know what I'm talking about. The same old cycle where I'm going to hit the ground running, I'm going to be super Christian, and then you find somewhere along the way, you just you run out of steam. How do we do it? How do we keep from settling? How do we keep from stopping short? Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about falling short. Falling short, I mean, there's tons of grace. I mean, you, you trip up, you have a day where, you know, you did something out of character, God's grace just washes over us. I'm not talking about falling short. I'm talking about stopping short. Falling short is failing. Stopping short is quitting. How do we, how do we stop from stopping short? You ever ask that question? There's a guy in the Bible, and his name is Abraham. Anybody ever heard of Abraham? I'll sing you an old Sunday school song. You might know it. Father Abraham had many sons. Yes, and many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Right arm. Okay, that's good. That's good. We're done there. You know it. You know the song. That's good. But Abraham in the Bible is known as the father of faith. He's like, he's like the, the high watermark of the person who actually did it best. Like next to Jesus, when the Bible talks about faith, it talks about it all through Hebrews, Hebrews 11, Romans 4. It talks about Abraham as this model of a person who actually went the whole distance. Like he never actually stopped on the journey and quit and settled. And I want to ask the question, if you would with me tonight, I want to look at his story, and I want to ask the question, what did Abraham know? What would he say to you as you head out of here and head back to your life? What would he tell you for the long journey of faith? What would he want you to know in faith? Now, to understand Abraham, I want to, I want to give you a little history lesson. Can we do that? That's what a bathroom breaks about to happen. I got to go to the bathroom. I see you. I see you. Hold tight. Abraham had a dad, his name was Terah. And Abraham's story actually, actually starts with his father, Terah. The Bible says, and let me read it, it will bring it up on the screen. The Bible says in Genesis 11, it says, One day Terah took his son Abram, which is Abraham, he changes his name later, and he took his daughter-in-law Sarah, Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, and his son Haran, 
and his child, and he moves away. Get this in your mind. He moved from a town called Ur. Everybody say Ur. Yeah, Ur. That's a good one. He moved from Ur of the Chaldeans, and here it is, and I want you to look at this. If you have a Bible, underline this. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran, and they settled there. They settled in Haran. Now, let me just give you a little geography lesson. In this time, the town of Ur was in ancient Mesopotamia, and it's actually modern-day Iraq. The place is still there. And he lived in this town called Ur, and Ur was at that time overpopulated, oversaturated, and it's a rough place to live as far as geography goes and the ecosystem. It just wasn't plush land. And so... This man, Terah, has this idea. We don't know if God gave it to him. We don't know if God spoke to him like he spoke to Abraham. But we know something caused Terah to wake up one day and say, you know what, there's a better life for me. There's something out there. I'm going to move my whole family. We're going to bring all of our household, our servants, our livestock, everything, and we're going to go to the land of Canaan. Now, Canaan was the most beautiful land at the time. It was just prime land, and so he sets out. Get this. Don't lose this. He sets out to go from Ur to Canaan, and it says that as the journey went on, he came to the town of Haran, and he settled there. We've come far enough. Now, it's easy to judge. It's easy to judge Tara. I mean, come on, man. You couldn't, you couldn't go from Ur to Canaan. Like, pfft, I could do that in my sleep. I go from Ur to Canaan any day, anyway, right? Like, come on, Tara. But actually, if you look into it, the journey from Ur, Ur to Canaan was 1,100 miles 2,000 kilometers. So, you know, if you wanted to walk to Fredericton from here 20 times, that would be the journey. And now he's 75 years old, y'all. He's not a spring chicken. He's got kids with him. I can't drive my kids to Grand Bay. And he's got kids with him. He's got everything with him. And then to top it off, I mean, the landscape there is unbelievable. Like it's desert, it's valley, it's hills, it's plains, it's wilderness. It's just crazy. And so before you judge Tara, you got to understand, like, he did pretty good. He got 600 miles. That's where Haran is, is 600 miles from Ur. That's not bad. A little more than halfway, but it wasn't all the way that he had set out for. He settled in, I'm forgetting the name of the place. He settled in Haran. That's right. Thanks. You're paying attention. That's good. He settled in Haran. And that's a picture of what we're tempted to do. So here's the question, though. And I want to just let Abraham speak to us. Look at this. Abraham didn't settle. The Bible goes on to tell us that one day God came to Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I am calling you to this land of Canaan, to a better world, a better life. I want you to go to Canaan. Leave your father's household. Leave Terah's household, which, fun fact, Terah actually settled in Haran and became an idol maker. That's a whole other sermon for a whole other day, but it's a greater picture of what we're talking about. You don't care, so let's keep going. So it says in Romans 4 about Abraham. It says this about him. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham, Abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead. And Sarah's womb was as well. And here, look at this. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Abraham had this mindset that fully convinced him. I mean, he did the same journey as his dad. I mean, he walked from Ur to Haran. He did the desert. He did the valleys. He grinded it out, and then he picked up where his father failed and said, I am not stopping until I get to the land that God has promised me. He said, I'm going the whole way. And here's what I want to ask you today, and I want, I want Abraham to speak to us. Through the word. What did Abraham know that kept him going in those hard times? Because how many of you know that following Jesus is not easy? 
Yeah, his yoke is easy. I'm talking about salvation. Jesus has saved you. It's a free gift of grace. You know what? Believing is easy, but actually having the faith to follow Jesus, that's a walk. That's a grind, isn't it? Anybody know what I'm saying? It's a hard journey. And so here's the question. What kept Abraham going, what would he tell us? Here's the first thing he would tell you. I think if you're taking notes, write this down. You should write this down. He would tell you this. Don't settle. Don't stop short of your blessing. Don't stop short of your blessing, of the breakthrough. Here's what I know to be true. Has you ever been on a long journey and you've asked this question to your parents? You know the question. Are we, are we there yet? Yeah. You know the question. You know what? I didn't have to teach any of my kids that question. They figured it out on their own. Like, you've all asked the question. And what happens is when we get journeying and we get on a long ride or a long journey, at some point you start to say, hey, this is taking a long time. Like, when are we going to get there? And you start taking your mind off of where you're going and you start setting your mind on where you aren't and how long it's taking and it gets uncomfortable, doesn't it? And that's what happened to Terah. Terah set out, and there was kind of that, I don't even know where Canaan is. We've been walking for 100 days. I don't even know if I'm going to get there. You know what? Haran looks decent. Let's sit down. Let's go here. This is going to work out just fine. And so what often happens for us is we stop short of ever seeing the fulfillment of the promise that God has given us. But Abraham didn't. Look what the Bible says. Hebrews 11 it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going and confidently, say it out loud with me, looking forward. You're not reading. Say it again. Looking forward. He was looking forward to a city with eternal foundations. What's that mean? It means that he never took his focus off what was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. He never let the fact that he wasn't there yet dissolve in his mind what was going to be his anyway. He actually kept going, and it was him that saw the fulfillment of the fullness of the promise. He actually saw his wife conceived a child, and then the story goes on, and Israel happens. But Abraham kept in his mind this one thing, that if I don't keep going, I'll never see the promise. And here's what I want you to hear today. When it comes to God's blessings and breakthrough in your life, get this, focus in. God's greatest blessings and the greatest miracles and the greatest breakthroughs you will ever experience in your life, they don't happen when you're sitting stationary. They happen when you're moving in faith. They happen in motion. Get this. We often quit just before the breakthrough happens. There's a story in the Bible. I, I, I'll sing another song. It's about Joshua. Anybody know about who Joshua is? There's another Bible song. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, Jericho, Jericho. Yeah, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, and the walls came tumbling down. Yeah? No? All right. It's like one of, the, it's one of those groove songs, right? And the, song, the story of Joshua goes like this. Israel had been, talk about a long journey. Israel had wandered for 40 years. God had promised them the same land that Abraham was promised. And for 40 years, they had to wander. God, when are we going to get there? Are we there yet, God? And then the story goes like this. They finally step into the promised land. And get this, there is a giant city fortified with the hugest walls that anyone had ever seen. And this obstacle stood in front of them. And then God commands Joshua. He says, Joshua, I want you to march around the city seven times every day. And on the seventh day, I want you to march around it another seven times. And he says, march around the city. That, and then I'm going to bring you the victory. And what he's talking about is this. In the Bible, when you see a number, I know we're getting nerdy, but this is going to help somebody. When you see a number in the Bible, the number actually represents a meaning more than a value. So the number seven is the number of the completion of a process. So when God says, march around the city seven times, he may not have actually meant that it was going to be seven times. He might have just been saying, keep marching. March until something happens. 
March until you see the breakthrough. March until you see the victory. Because number seven represents the number of God's completion. And so the point of the story of Jericho is this. Sometimes, in fact, all the time in your life, if you ever want to see God move in power, it's going to happen as you keep going in faith. And a lot of the time we miss God's greatest blessings in our lives because we stopped one short. Like imagine if the Israelite army stopped on six. Imagine they stopped like six days in. They're like, you know what? They just, my cousin shawned it, right? Like walking around the walls is not gonna bring them down. They're like, you know what? I'm done. And they settled there. Imagine they stopped on six. Like, let me, let me bring this home to you. Okay, you wanna be, you wanna, you wanna witness. You wanna lead people to Jesus. You wanna lead people at your school to Jesus. Imagine the day that you decide, you know what? I've been sharing my faith every day. It doesn't seem like this is gonna happen. It doesn't seem like anything's happening. Imagine the day you decide I'm not sharing my faith today. Maybe that's the day that actually it did happen and someone accepted Jesus. See, a lot of the time we stop before the breakthrough happens. And so what Abraham would tell you is this, don't settle short of God doing something great in your life. Keep moving, keep moving in faith. It was really cool last night, uh, Pastor John Sherwood, anybody from Cross Point? All right. Pastor John came up to me and he said, hey, one of my teenagers came up to me and said, I accepted Christ tonight. And he said, and he said, he thanked me for all the days I've spent with him. I mean, imagine all the pizza parties, all the rallies, all the journeys, all the drives, all the conversations. Imagine John stopped short and said, you know what? I'm not bringing you to Rally in the Valley. See, sometimes we stop short right before we see the greatest miracle actually happen in our lives. So when you're out on that journey and God's calling you to purity and you're, you know, like the Bible says, God will give you the, the power at work within, within us to will and to act according to his good purpose. You say, you know what? I'm not gonna look at that stuff online. And day by day, you're like, you're holding strong and you're staying pure and you're staying true. And then there's that day where it's just starting to like creep and you're starting to get tired of fighting the good fight. Here's what I would say to you. Don't stop because there's a victory on the other side of your obedience. You just need to keep going. Breakthrough and blessing happens on the other side of your obedience. Keep walking, keep going. That moment when you start to feel tempted, that moment when you start to have the, ugh, I don't think I'm gonna go to youth group tonight. That's the space that God wants you to keep walking. Because on the other side, I, I cannot tell you how many times I've come to church to preach and I didn't feel like it, and I did it anyway, and God did something amazing because God breaks through your faith. Keep moving, don't settle. The Bible says resist the devil and he'll flee from you. What's that mean? You gotta resist, you gotta fight. Keep moving, don't settle. Okay, it's hot in here, someone needs to turn the AC on, but I want you to turn to someone next to you and I want you to say, don't settle. Don't yeah, say to the person next to you, don't settle. Don't settle. Here's the second thing Abraham would say. All right, you awake? Don't miss this. This one's, even, this one's even more important. This one's even more important. Sometimes when we're tempted to settle and we're tempted to stop the fight and stop the journey, it's, we're, we're so close to the breakthrough and the blessing. So keep in mind, my blessing's coming. But here's what Abraham would say. He would say, number two is this, don't settle, don't stop short of your calling. Don't stop short of the destiny that God has for you. Here's the, the interesting thing about Terah, Abraham's dad. He stopped short of what was the real thing and settled for the counterfeit. He settled in a town that just wasn't quite as good as what was before him at the town of Canaan. And that is what we are often tempted to do. Get this. You know, you set out for purity and you settle for just peeking at this thing or just thinking about this girl. You know, you set out to be a good witness in your community, but you settle for, I'll just go to church and I won't, I'll tell people about it. It's that settling short of actually what God has called you to. You know, some of you, you know what I'm talking about, you, you're, you're looking for friends and you stop short of, you settle for acquaintances, the it crowd that don't really care about you anyway. You're looking for fulfillment and you settle for a cheap high, a quick fix. 
You see, settling for less than God has for you, that's the nature of sin. Where we sin is when we believe that something that can never actually satisfy you will satisfy you. Every time you are tempted to sin in your life, it's because you are being duped into believing that that thing or that person or that experience can satisfy the calling and the longing in your soul, but it can't. So Abraham had this in mind. He understood, I'm looking for a city whose foundations are built by God, who I'm looking for more. I'm looking for something that nothing on this earth can satisfy. He would say there is a calling in your soul. The Bible says in Proverbs, it says, for God has set eternity in the heart of man. What does that mean? There is a hole in your soul that only God can fill and satisfy, period. Your friends will not do it. Fame will not do it, sex will not do it, drugs will not do it, being right will not do it, being powerful will not do it. There is a hole in your soul that only God himself can satisfy. And the reason that Abraham kept going is because he was just not easily satisfied with the counterfeit. It's like uh, the difference between Fruit Loops and Fruitios. It's like some of you are too easily satisfied. Don't eat that stuff. Fruitios, come on. Abraham understood there is a real thing out there for me and I will not stop short of it. I'm not settling for Frutios. I'm not settling for Haran. I'm not settling for a counterfeit. I'm not settling for a fabrication. I want something true. And that's what kept Abraham going. There's this quote by a famous author named C.S. Lewis and he's talking about when you and I sin. And look what he says. He says this, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong. What's he mean? Like those urges in you that cause you to sin. He's saying the problem isn't that those are too strong. What do we do a lot of the time? We want to stop sinning. We want to suppress our cravings, don't we? But that's not what God calls you to. Look at this. He says we are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. And so we're like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because you just can't imagine what Disney World is like. That's what he's saying. He's saying it's like a kid who has never heard of Disney World who doesn't want to leave, like a mom and dad who come out and say, hey, Junior, we're going to get on a plane and we're going to Disney World, the, the happiest place on earth. And he's sitting there playing with mud pies in his backyard saying, no way, I'm having too much fun. It's because he doesn't understand what awaits him. And that's the whole thing that Abraham got. Abraham knew this. Keep this in mind, church, that what stands before him, that what he stands to gain is so much better than anything he could ever settle for. And so you have to resolve in your mind, next time you're tempted and you tell yourself, I won't settle, don't settle. When you tell yourself that, it's because you're not settling for something less than what God has for you. God has more. Look at this. Did you know that you are God's creation? Did you know that God like fabricated you and designed you? And he actually gave a purpose for you. Like the Bible says in Psalm 139 that God knit you together. He formed you together in your mother's womb. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God designed you for a purpose. And the Bible says that God's purpose for your life, Psalm 37, talks about how, you know, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you would have life. And life to the full. How many of you think about Jesus? When you think about Jesus, it's about what I don't, what, you know, it's about things I shouldn't do. Being a good Christian, it's about not doing certain things. That's not Christianity. Christianity is not about saying no. It's about saying yes to Jesus, which is so much better than any other yes you could give your life to. That's what Christianity is. And so Jesus says, I've come that you would have life and life to the full. Psalm 16 says, surely there are pleasures forevermore at your right hand. You see, what you have to get in your mind when you leave from this place rally in the valley is you've got to believe in your heart and your mind that although I'm tempted to settle in Haran, although I'm tempted to settle for mud pies, I'm tempted for fruitios, there's nothing like the real thing. 
There's nothing, nothing can satisfy me like God can satisfy me. What will keep you moving in faith is the realization that God has called you to more. More life. More joy. Like the next time you're, you, you go out back and you're, you and your buddies, you want to smoke up. You grab that and you say, you know what? God has called me to more than this. Like God gets me higher than this can. God satisfies me higher. God satisfies me better. You, I'm, you think I'm joking. You think I'm joking. God satisfies the desires of your heart. It is his space to operate in. So do not settle for anything that cannot satisfy those cravings and those longings in your heart. It belongs to him. So don't. Next time you're on the computer, say, you know what? God made me for more than this. I won't settle. The next time you feel like I got to, I got to, I got to, you know what? I'm not going to, I'm going to share my faith today. I'm too embarrassed. You say, you know what? God's got something for me. I'm not going to settle. There's joy. There's pleasure. You've got to get that in your minds, Rally. When you leave this place, say, I won't settle. I won't settle for the counterfeit. I won't settle for things that cannot actually satisfy me. I remember, I'll tell you a story. When I was oh, about 19, I had just finished high school. I went to St. Thomas University for my first year of high school. Any, any seniors here this year? You heading to, heading to college? Well, I, I, came out of, I came out of high school. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life, not a clue. I had no plan, no talent. I was going to be in the NBA, and that wasn't working out, I guess. So, wait, what are you laughing at? I changed my mind. And I came out of high school, and so I, I did what you do when you don't know what you're going to do. I, I applied at a liberal, liberal arts school, so I'm going to get my BA. And so I went to St. Thomas University, and I started getting caught up with a crowd and with people that I just knew wasn't God-honoring. I knew my parents raised me better than that. I knew that God had more for me, and, but yet I started to settle. I was a lot like my cousin Sean in that season of my life, and I started to settle. And I remember, it's the weirdest thing. It was, the, it was the early winter of 2002. I'm in my second semester at St. Thomas University. I'm flunking out. I'm completely just not paying attention. I don't care to be there. All I want to do is hang out with girls. I want to party. I want to be with this crowd and that crowd. I want to play basketball. And I began to find my soul beginning to shrivel up. And I'll never forget, it wasn't a moment, but there was like a, se a series of days where I started to have this rattle in my soul. And I was just hearing this call in my spirit where it was like God was saying, son, I've got more for you. I got more for you. I, I can do better. I got more for you than parties. I got more for you than girls. I got more for you than alcohol. I got more for you than fame. I got more for you. I've got more for you. And I started to hear this call in my spirit. And so what I did, I didn't really know where to go or what to do, but I decided, okay, I'm going to get as far away from here as I can. And so I, I applied at Kingswood. <laughs> Detox. That's what it was. I mean, I wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't have a problem, but I was partying. I was just hanging out with crowds. And so I was like, I'm going to get, I'm just going to go as far away as I can. And so I left because there was this calling inside of me. And if you'll stop long enough and you'll just listen, if you'll be quiet at the end of the day and you'll just listen, there is something calling you, the same voice that was calling Abraham saying, I got more for you. I got blessings for you. I got joy for you. I have a purpose for you. I have a plan for you. You know that God said in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, do you even know the plans I have for you? Plans to prosper you to give you a hope and a future. I am calling you to life. There is a call in your soul, if you'll just listen, that God is calling you to real, true life. You see, Abraham understood, I'm made for more. I'm made for more. Tell the person next to you, I'm made for more. Tell the person on the other side, you're my second choice, but I'm made for more. <laughs> Here's the last thing that I think Abraham would say to you. I'm gonna wrap up, but here's the last thing I think Abraham would say to you if you're taking notes. He again would tell you as, you, as you leave this place and as you go, don't settle. Don't settle. Don't stop short of the Savior. 
Don't stop short of the Savior. Here's the crazy thing about Abraham. The Bible says that Abraham, the father of faith, actually, he stayed true to the journey his whole life. And get this, he never actually saw the fulfillment of the promise. He saw shades of it. He saw his wife conceive Isaac. And he saw some things start to come into alignment, but he never actually saw the fulfillment of the promise of God in his life. Look what it says in Hebrews 11. It says it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. Verse 13, skip down. Talking about these people, it says, all these people died believing what God had promised them. They did not receive the promise, but they saw it from a distance. They could see it coming and they welcomed it. Verse 39, all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith, yet none of them received all that God had promised. We have that scripture, Isaiah or Hebrews 11, verse 40. Bring that up. I want you to see this. They did not receive all that God had promised them, for God had something better in mind so that they would not reach perfection without us. The Bible says that the people who lived in faith, Abraham lived in faith, and he never actually received the fullness of his promise, although he could see it from a ways off. He says, for God had something better in mind. What was the something better he was talking about? What was the something or maybe someone better? Here's the thing that Abraham would say to you. He would say, don't stop short of the Savior because here's the good news. You get to go live your life you get to do this journey differently than Abraham did. You see, Abraham had to grind it out and slug it out. And he didn't know when he was ever going to get there, ever see the promises. But the Bible says that the promise of God is fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Let me say it different. You're not, you're not, you're not understanding me. Let me say this. Instead of your job and your life being about, I got to get, get to purity, I got to get there. I got to get to be a good person. I got to be the person that God wants me to be. I got to get there. I got to kick that habit. I got to get new friendships. Instead of your whole life's purpose about, be, about getting to Caton's Island or getting to Canaan, here's the amazing news today. You got to hear this. The promise has come to you. The promise has come to you in the person of Jesus. Get this. The Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means this, that your life is not a long, hard, arduous journey. Yeah, there's a grind in faith. Yeah, it's a walk. Yeah, it takes work. But here's the deal. Your job is not to be a perfect person. It's not to navigate the valleys and the twists and the turns. It's not to, you know, fight the good fight of faith. Your job is to pursue Jesus. That's it. Your whole job, your whole focus in your life is one pursuit. It's in high need to get to Jesus. Every morning, every night, every day, I pursue Jesus. Why? Because in him, all the promises of God dwell. So when you get to Jesus, you get to breakthrough. When you get to Jesus, you get to power. When you get to Jesus, you get to success. You get to your destiny. You get to fulfillment. It's all found in him, and he came to you. That's amazing. So your job, it shifts. Nobody leave here saying this, I got to be perfect. It's time for me to walk the walk. I got the long march. I'm not going to stop on six. No, your job is, I'm just going to keep following Jesus. I'm just going to, every day, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm just going to fix my eyes on him. I'm going to set my heart after him. In the morning, I'm going to look to Jesus. At school, I'm going to look to Jesus. At night, I'm going to look to Jesus. And as you do that, get this, your life starts to shift. It starts to transform. It starts to rearrange. Look at this scripture. I'm almost done, but you need to hear this. If someone told me this when I was five, six, seven, eight years old, if I, they probably did, in fact. I just didn't hear it. My heart is that you hear this. Follow Jesus, make him your pursuit, and all other things will be added unto you. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Your job, Rally in the Valley, is to pursue Jesus. Look at this, Hebrews 11. I'll wrap up with this. Or Hebrews 12. 
It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses of the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. You don't need that. Don't settle for sin. Don't settle for sex out of marriage. Don't settle for pornography. Don't settle for drugs. Don't settle for booze. Don't settle for the it crowd. Don't settle for what people think. Don't settle. Strip it off. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set out before us. Here it is. Get, look at the scripture. We do this by trying really, really hard. No. How do you do it? How do you do it? How do you do it? Say it. Fix, oh, say it. Fixing our eyes on, fixing our eyes on Jesus. That's how you do it. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross disregarding its shame. And now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he enjoyed for you from sinful people, and then you won't become weary and give up. You won't stop. If you just focus on Jesus, you won't settle. You won't stop. You'll find your life shifting and changing. You'll find your heart fulfilled. That's what the psalmist means. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. When I left St. Thomas... I had no plans. I was just gonna go to Kingswood to get my life right and get my life in order. I, I just felt Jesus calling me there. I, I did not know I was gonna be a pastor. I had no plans to be a pastor at that point. In fact, I had, no, I had no plans to be a pastor. And so I left anyway, I went to Kingswood. And my first semester there, I went there just to find Jesus. And my first semester there, I, I encountered a God I never knew. And I came to know Jesus like I'd never known before, and I fell in love with him at a level I'd never known. And here's what's happened to me, and I've been on this journey ever since. I started just step by step following Jesus. Brent, Brent, I got more for you than this. Get out of that. Yeah, Lord, okay. Go to Kingswood, yeah, Lord, okay. And I found myself at Kingswood, and I started following him. He's like, I want you to, I want you to start leading worship, okay. Brent, I want you to be obedient in this area. Okay. Brent, I want you to have that conversation with this person. Yeah, okay, Lord. Brent, I want you to forgive that person. Yeah, okay, yes. And yes, by yes, by yes, by yes, by step, by step, by step, I found my life starting to shift and I started to become a different person. I'm not perfect, but I'll tell you something. I am a very different man than I was the day I, went to, I arrived at Kingswood. Here's the deal. Some people ask me, Brent, when did you, when did you know you're going to be a pastor? When were you called to ministry? I still haven't got the call. I'm still waiting for that one. Someone's got my phone. I'm waiting for that one. I was called to Jesus, and I started following him, and I found myself here with you tonight. You see, that's what happens. You start following Jesus. You start giving him your yes. Your whole life with Christ is this. It's not lived by great, big, giant achievements. It's lived yes, by yes, by yes, by yes, by yes, I will, by yes, Lord, yes, yes. It's lived step by step. As you follow Jesus, he will begin to bring power and breakthrough and transformation into your life. And I am looking right now at a bunch of people who are gonna follow Jesus and they're not gonna settle and they're not gonna stop short because they know God has such incredible plans for them. They know that that God's calling them to be a generation over Atlantic Canada that are gonna absolutely rev revolutionize this place. God, you guys know that God has put something in your heart. I can't call it out. I don't know what it is. I just know God's got something in your heart and he's calling it forth and he's saying, come, follow me step by step. Don't settle, don't stop, don't waver. Just follow Jesus. You fix your eyes on Jesus and you let him worry about all the hard stuff. That's your whole job. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It's a simple message today. It's this, don't settle. Don't settle for the counterfeit. Don't settle for fake gods. Don't settle for cheap thrills. Don't settle for cheap highs that cannot do it for you. You're made for more. God has a plan for you, a plan to prosper you, 
to give you a hope and a future. Don't settle for what people speak over you. Don't, don't settle for what maybe your generation is called. Don't settle for what people have, have written you off. Don't settle for that. Don't settle for believing that. Don't settle for anything less than what God has said about you. He's called you great. He's called you victorious. He's called you forgiven. He's called you champions. He's called you to, to be the generation that absolutely shifts this world once and for all. It's gonna be you. Don't settle. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna do this really quick. We don't have enough room up here to do an altar call. There's too many of you. And I wanna do this. I, I, as a prof prophetic declaration, what does prophetic mean? Prophetic is kind of when your body does something that your spirit is doing. And it's, 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 it's like using your body to speak God's word and to declare something. And I want you to do something prophetic today. I'm gonna invite you in just a second. I'm gonna count to three. And I want you to stand up and I want you to shout and put your fist in the air, put your hand in the air, put your, put your hands in the air. And I want you to say this, I won't settle. And I want you to declare it. I want you to yell it out. I won't settle. And whatever, whatever you need to say it over tonight, maybe it's temptation, I won't settle. Maybe you're being drifting off into that crowd. I won't settle. I won't settle for less than God has for you. And I'm going to count to three. And all over the room, this is a bold thing. Only bold people can do this. All over the room, I want you to stand to your feet when I say three. And I want you to, with the top of your lungs, I want you to declare it for God, for the devil to hear it, for the person next to you to hear it. Say, I will not settle. I won't stop short. I'm not going to stop short of the calling God has on my life. I'm not going to stop short of the joys he's set before me. One, two, three. Say it. covenant with you right now. We know we're weak. Lord, we know we're feeble. We know we're prone to temptation. We're prone to wander. But God, we just declare in this place that your grace is sufficient for us. That it's your power, your perfect power at work in us gives us the grace every day to will and to act according to your good purpose. And so, Father, right now, over this whole group, over this whole generation, we just declare victory in Jesus' name. We declare purity in Jesus' name. We, we declare addictions being broken in Jesus' name. We declare revolution in Jesus' name. God, we declare a generation rising up and influencing and infiltrating darkness in the Maritimes in Jesus' name. God, we give you our lives. We won't stop short. We won't settle for anything less than you have for us. We're coming. We're walking. We're following Jesus. And all God's people said. And all God's people said.